We serve a faithful God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is with you in your time of trouble. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And one more time, welcome to Grace Church. We're so glad to worship God with you and to, to discover the Word of God this morning. So excited to have the opportunity to preach this morning. Um, like I said, my parents are gone, and so they'll be back next week with an amazing third part to this sermon series. But today, it's my privilege to preach. It's like that my parents actually drove all the way to Iowa. They do this regularly. I don't know why. Uh, like, they could fly but they choose to drive. Um, anybody gone on any road trips this summer? Uh, maybe you've been to the beach or you've been to Iowa, Nebraska, <laughs> okay? Um, or you have maybe you're planning on going to the beach this week before school gets back. Summer's fun, right? Hope you're having a good summer. Um, if you were to go on a summer road trip, there are some essentials that you would need to take with you. I've got my Chick-fil-A cup here that Charity gave me, and it says on here, I don't know if you can see that, it says, a road trip essential. This is essential for your road trip, according to Chick-fil-A. There's even a checklist. In case you're not sure what to take with you on your road trip, here are the essentials. A car <laughs> and the Chick-fil-A app. That's it. <laughs> Those are the essentials, folks. <laughs> I beg to differ, and I don't want to get, you know, hung up on a non-essential issue here, but... I don't think that this cup is necessarily essential for your road trip. Um, I, you know, a car, that's essential, and gasoline, and a driver, those things are essential. We're in a series on truth, and last week we talked about essential truths. We talked about things like Jesus is the Son of God, and the Word of God, the Bible, these letters and these poems and this historical document, these things were inspired by God. That's essential, and that's true. And we talked about some other things, like there is only one God. He is existing in three and one, as in the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but unity. There's only one God. We don't serve many gods. Those things are essential. And if you disagree with anything that I just said, that's fine. You're welcome to be here. I want you to hear what we have to say. I even want to learn from you. I want to dialogue with you. But today we're going to talk about things that are non-essential or interpretive truths. Last week was absolute truths, things that we feel like everybody in the body of Christ can agree with. Things like what is found in the Apostles' Creed, where it talks about the virgin birth and all that. But today we're going to talk more about non-essential things, things that you won't find in the Apostles' Creed things that lots of religions and denominations, even within the church, disagree with. Uh, but I want you to know that it's okay to disagree, especially on the non-essential things. Uh, I, I'm going to pray here in a moment for, the, for open hearts and open minds, because I might say some things that you disagree with, but I want to clearly emphasize that we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ, even if we disagree on some things. Amen? Amen. Things like, um, just for example, divine healing. I believe, this is how I interpret scripture, that um, if somebody is sick, that Jesus Christ has given me the authority to speak life into that person, to pray for that person, and uh, even have uh, see, see that person get healed miraculously. I even uh, regularly pray for miracles when I see somebody that's sick, um, physically or otherwise. And I have seen God miraculously work in people's lives. That's my experience, and that's how I interpret Scripture. But I want to reiterate, if you don't believe that, you're still welcome here. But also, keep in mind that 
um, when you are speaking in tongues in the church, then it needs to have an interpretation. I could stand up here to t- right now and just for the next 30 minutes just speak in tongues, uh, but that wouldn't actually help anybody out. Paul even says, I'd rather speak three words, or was it five words, uh, in a known language than 10,000 words in an unknown language. It wouldn't do you any good unless there was an interpreter that could tell you what I was saying. But in your private time, Paul says that speaking in tongues edifies yourself. It actually builds us up. We can pray in knowledge and we can pray in the spirit. Um, that just means that we can pray, like for my instance, for my kids, I can pray in English and I know what I'm praying for and I can pray for you. Or I can also pray in the spirit, which is basically a prayer of faith where God is speaking through me and I don't know what I'm praying, but I'm just believing that it's his will and believing that he's going to accomplish those things. But when I pray in knowledge and in, in the spirit, I do believe that I can also pray for, let's say God's placed something on my heart, like a heavy burden. And I don't even know the words to say for that person. But I pray in the spirit or in tongues. And I'm believing that God's word is being accomplished. And then I'm uh, performing spiritual warfare and I pray until I have that breakthrough and then I believe all right I've got that breakthrough and I know that uh, I've accomplished what God's called me to do so that's basically what I wanted to say about speaking in tongues but I want to re-emphasize that you don't have to believe that that's not where we draw the line all right now if you say that there are many gods you know what I mean and that you want to serve all of them, as the children's pastor of this church, that would be something that would prohibit you or prevent you from teaching the children in our children's church. It would not be something that would keep you from attending church here, okay? But speaking in tongues is a non-essential issue. It's important. I want you to have that gift that I believe that you can have, but I acknowledge that you may interpret Scripture differently. Alrighty, so the next question that I cannot answer is this. When is Jesus coming back? <laughs> yeah, so we just went from speaking in tongues to now we're going to talk about the rapture of the church. All right, yeah, this is all in the same message. In case you're watching online, you have not seen two sermons, you know, conjoined together. Okay, we're just going to talk about four of these issues. Uh, and for the record, uh, my pastor asked me to talk about these kind of things, and so that's why I did it. I, I you know, I was going to talk about something else, but it's sort of like, all right, pops, let's do this. We're going, we're going straight in. Maybe he was out of town. He's like, I don't want to talk about that. Let Marcus do it. You can get mad at him. <laughs> A lot of people get these terms and dates and things confused. Uh, my, and it's for the record, my dad's not afraid to talk about anything, if you know that. I was just trying to be funny. Okay, I was making a joke at his expense, so I'm sorry, Pops. All right, he's, but it was funny because you laughed. All right, <laughs> so a lot of people get these terms mixed up when it comes to the end times, the great white throne of judgment and the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so I really don't have time to get into all of the different terminologies and all of the different things. But here's what we know. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Amen? Can you agree to that? I mean, it's straight out of Scripture. Hallelujah. So that's the promise that we have from God, that he is going to come back for us. And that's, 
and, and, and that's what we call the rapture. Alrighty, now, there are a lot of different terms from uh, post-tribulational premillennialism to pre-tribulational dispensationalism, premillennialism, to post-millennialism and amillennialism. So we're going to take for about the next hour, and we're just going to get into... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we're not going there because there's just too much for point two of a four-part message. Okay? It's important and it's good, but we're going to just talk about some of the things that we can agree on. Like, there is going to be a great tribulation. Matthew 24, 21 says, For then there will be a great tribulation, or in a different verse, a uh, different translation, For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. Thank you, Pastor, for that encouraging word this morning. <laughs> There will be unequal distress, unlike any time before or ever to come. Matthew chapter 24, write it down and read it later if you really just want to get scared and struggle with some fear. Uh, just kidding. The Word of God is not, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Read Revelation 21 after you read Matthew. Uh, uh, Matthew 24, because it's just a really encouraging verse about the second about Jesus and the new heavens and the new earth and all that. So read those two chapters if you want to just have some assigned reading for this week. But to sum up the Great Tribulation, it's that. It's going to be this period of time, seven years, three and a half years, and in the middle time there's, it's going to get even worse and there's going to be this Great Tribulation. It's going to be uh, unpleasant, to say the very least. Now, pre-tribulation... Uh, these people say that the rapture happens before the tribulation, pre. Mid-trib or mid-tribulation say that this rapture happens at the three-and-a-half-year mark. And I'm doing this because you're going up to be with the air, okay? <laughs> Not because I'm Greek, <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's what Charity does. <laughs> She's Greek. Um, and post-trib says that the rapture happens at the end of the seven-year period of the tribulation. So which one are we? Well, our church tends to lean towards more towards the pre-trib, but this is a non-essential issue. This is one of the biggest non-essential issues. It really doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter for your salvation. You can say, oh, I'm a mid-trib, and I'm a, oh, you're going to hell. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> That's not how it works, okay? <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> so, this is good preaching, right? I told you this message was going to be fire. <laughs> fire and brimstone. <laughs> it's going to be, this is, good. this is just doctrine. Okay, we're just talking about doctrine. Let's talk about, um, when does this happen? Okay, look at this. Matthew 24, 30 says the word then. In this translation I'm looking at, yep, in that one it says Then. So we hear about Matthew 24 and all this dark stuff that's going to happen. And it's there for a purpose, and it's there to bring people about uh, to know Jesus Christ. And it's, it's, it's really dark, and it's difficult, and it's hard to understand. And I'm kind of glad I don't have time to get all the way into it because it's so, so much there. But then after that, you know, in this verse, they talk about woe to those who are here during that time. Woe to the, the pregnant and the nursing. It's going to be worse for you in this time. And I joked in first service, that's basically any time, right? It's worse for the pregnant people and the nursing. 
I have, a, I have a son, and he's starting to sleep through the night. Isn't that great? Well, I mean, he only did it once, but I'm believing that it's going to happen again. He's two months. He's eight weeks today. But anyway, woe to the pregnant people and the nursing. So all this, all this woe, okay, woe to these people. And then, the key is then, so after this, after the tribulation, will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples on the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Like that song we sing, coming on the clouds. Yep, I'm not a singer. Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with the power and great glory. So I saw this and I was like, oh, that's it. That's when it's going to happen. I said then, I said after, gave us a timeline. So so the, the timeline, Sarah, can you put the timeline up for me of everything that's going to happen in the end times? Oh, we don't have that slide because we have no idea. We don't know the timeline, but we do know that then, then it's going to happen. What's going to happen? That's when the second coming of Christ is. So if you're a post-trib person, then you believe that the second coming is going to happen after the seven years of tribulation. If you are a pre-trib person, then you believe that the second coming is going to happen after the seven years of tribulation. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. You guys agree. But the pre-trib person believes that the rapture happens as a separate event before the tribulation. Post-trib people believe that the rapture and the second coming are a part of the same event. Have I confused anybody? At Marcus Dolphins. Just email me on Instagram. Alrighty. <laughs> However that works. I'm new. So that's, that's, that's a little bit of theology and doctrine as it comes to that. We're in Matthew 24. We've read a couple verses from there already. Let's look at verse 36 because this is really one of the more important ones. It says, however... No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son of Man himself. Only the Father knows. Andrew and I were in New York City a couple years ago on the day that a man by the name of Harold Camping said that Jesus Christ was going to come and return. We were not there because he told us. We were there on a totally separate thing. We were there in Times Square and some people were all like excited like, this is it. We're at the moment of like we're left behind, like the video, like they come in like, on the screens, the Antichrist appears and they're like, and, and nothing happened. <laughs> but this guy thought he knew the exact day and time that Jesus Christ was going to appear and to come back. Whereas the Bible says that Jesus and the angels don't even know when he's coming back. So the important thing is, Luke 12, 40, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's really the most important part here. Can you agree with me on that? Amen. That's what we need to do. We need to just be ready for the second coming whenever it happens. Be ready for the rapture whenever it happens. We believe that the rapture has not happened yet. That's really important for us to believe and agree upon. But... Is it happening before, after, in the halfway through point in the tribulation? That's less important. 
Here's what I do know. I remember when my great-grandpa died. He was a man of faith. He was a very, like, godly man. He was a preacher and a missionary. And when he died, I remember my mom talking about him and saying that she was disappointed because he didn't get to experience something that he really, really longed to experience. My great-grandpa wanted, and he waited, and he looked for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He wanted to be a part of the rapture. He was excited for that day. Not me. <laughs> okay, not when I was growing up. I was terrified of the rapture. I had seen too many movies about getting left behind, and I thought, oh my goodness, I, I, I come out of the bathroom and my family's all gone, and I'm like, oh, I've been left behind. Where? Oh. And I look for them frantically. I'm like, they're not in their bedrooms. Oh, you know, the Bible says that one will be taken and the other will be left, and two will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Two will be sleeping in the bed, and one will be taken, and, left. and I've been left behind. They're all just in the backyard. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, good, because I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I was terrified. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but if you haven't, then you haven't grown up watching these movies, these movies that the goal of scaring you into, like, living a perfect life. Otherwise, you're going to miss the rapture. I was terrified, but look at what my great-grandpa knew. He knew Titus 2.13 that says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's called the blessed hope. It's something that we can look forward to. It's something that if you look at our society today, if you look at the news, if you see all these horrible things that are happening from mass shootings to wars and famine, Jesus said that he is coming to remove all of those things He's coming back to rescue us and to be the hope for the world today. And that's something that we have to look forward to. And if you're not looking forward to that, if you are afraid of that day, then maybe that's telling you something that you need to get right or get left. Hashtag get right or get left. But seriously, <laughs> I don't want you to miss out on that blessed hope where you can be looking forward to instead of dreading Jesus Christ's return. Where you don't have to be like me at times laying in my bed and a train goes by and I'm like, was that Gabriel's horn? Because I don't know if I'm, I'm ready for the trumpet sound. Just a train? Good. All right. Going back to sleep. Lord, please forgive me. I'm sorry. <laughs> and go back to sleep you can have the blessed assurance that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Let's get in real quickly to two more huge questions. Can I lose my salvation? Once saved, always saved, eternal security. I am glad, and I, I am glad. What if you could lose your salvation like my wife loses her phone? You know, hey, babe, are you saved today? I don't know. I've been looking for it all morning. I, I think I've lost my salvation again. I don't know. Did I put it here? One time she put her phone on top of the car, and we're looking everywhere. We actually drove from one place to another place, and it was still, we're calling it, and we're hearing it. It's ringing, but we're inside. 
taking apart everything in the back. And we were traveling, so we had luggage. And we're like, it's not, we're like in there. And it's like, it was on top of the car. She misplaces that thing so much. I'm glad we can't, some people live their life like that. I sinned. Oh, no, I've lost my salvation. I need to get baptized again. Uh, I've, I've lost my salvation, and I need to get saved again. I'm glad that you care about sin in your life if that's you. But I don't think we can lose your salvation like you lose your keys or your phone. But at the same time, I don't think you can say a prayer when you're seven years old and say, God, I'm choosing to live for you. Please forgive me of my sin. And then just live however you want to for the rest of your life. Now, Hebrews 6, 4 talks about people who have fallen away. That leads me to believe that you can be a follower of Christ. If Christ is over there and he's walking in that direction and I'm walking after him, then I'm following Christ. I have sin is that way. I have turned repented. Repentance literally means to turn. I've turned from my sin. I've repented, and I'm following after Christ. Christ says, go left, and I go left, and go right, and I go right. And then if one day I decide that I no longer want to follow Jesus Christ, I believe that I can turn away from him and start sinning again and start living uh, for myself. And, and some people say, well, if that's the case, then you were never saved in the first place. But, I mean, I'm even reminded, I just heard about this guy from Hillsong, popular, popular band, very biggest Christian band in the world. A guy on the worship team writing songs for like 20 years maybe. Now he leaves not just the Hillsong church, but leaves the church altogether. It's kind of like, well, it really looked like he was following Christ, but, but now he's verbally saying he's not. What about him? What? Here's what I know. Man looks at the outward appearance, and God looks at the heart. I really don't have to worry about him. It's not going to add a day to his life or mine. What we can do is pray for him, and we can ask God to be like that prodigal son who was a part of the family but left and said, I don't want to be a part of the family anymore, and then had a change of heart. And maybe you're here today and you have a loved one that, that died, like I do. I have a family member that died not serving the Lord. At one time they did, they were sold out, you know, part of the church, living hard, hard after God, and then committed suicide and hurt a lot of people and did some awful, awful things, and, and, and like, well, it doesn't look like he was following Christ, so was he ever saved? Maybe he was, maybe he was never saved, but here's what I know, God knows his heart, I don't. I hope to see him in eternity forever, but I don't know. Now, if you have a loved one that's still alive and they're not living for the Lord, but they said a prayer when they were seven years old, well, hey, encourage that person to get their heart right, to follow after God, to do the right thing um, while there's still time, and let God sort the rest of it out. This is a non-essential issue. What's essential is that our hearts are right before the Lord. What's non-essential is dividing ourselves along theological lines that say, oh, well, that person's probably not in heaven because blah, blah, blah. That is irrelevant to me. That person's already gone. What's relevant to me is that the people that are still breathing follow Christ and turn, out and turn from their sin and start living for him. Can I get a witness? Amen? Amen. Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So this is what happens. Nothing can separate us from God's love. That's not necessarily proof that we cannot turn away from God, but you can't just happen by happenstance lose your salvation. I believe it's more of a physical turning away and a conscious decision. And you might interpret the Bible by saying, well, that person was never saved. And I'm allowing you to think that or believe that or interpret that if you want to. I'm even open to learning more uh, from you. I'm not arrogant and prideful enough, proud enough to just say I know all of it. But I'm saying I want to make sure my heart's right and that all of those around me have their heart right as well. Amen? Last issue that we're going to tackle do I need to be baptized in water in order to be saved? I know there are people that believe this and there are people that don't. And maybe in this room we have both the groups. Peter replied in Acts chapter 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. When I read that verse at a glance, I kind of think that, okay, there's the formula to salvation. Repent and be baptized. If you don't repent, then you're not saved. If you don't get baptized, then you're not saved. That's just what it looks like to me at a glance. But we can't just glance at Scripture. It's worth exploring and looking at it in an in-depth way. First of all, let's look at, there's, there are two issues in this verse that I want to talk about. Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. So there are a whole bunch of people out there, not nearly as many as disagree with what I'm about to say, but there are people out there that say you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus only in order to be saved. And that if you were baptized in any other way, that you need to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus only. So like, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. You know, you go down, you might baptize in a different way than that, fully submersion or sprinkling or whatever. But that's, that's what they say. You get, why do we baptize differently? Here's why. Because in Matthew 28, Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, this is not necessarily going to like score me brownie points with any theologians. But, by show of hands, no, actually don't show your hands, but Think to yourself, if you had to choose Jesus' words or Peter's words, which one would you go with? <laughs> but stop, because the Holy Spirit still inspired Peter to write those things down, okay? So that was a trick question. But that, I mean, but seriously, though, like Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So really, that's what we do. Peter said, baptize them in the name of Jesus. Why didn't he say, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, here's why. Because baptism was a normal thing in Jewish culture in that day. But Jesus was new on the scene. Of course, he's always been here, but this is the, the good news. News? It was brand new. They're like, hey, Jesus is the salvation. So Jesus was basically emphasizing what, uh, excuse me, Peter was basically emphasizing Jesus. Whereas you have been baptized before, not in Jesus' name, now you need to get baptized in the name of Jesus. And I believe that when they baptize somebody, they would say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They go down in the water and they come back up. So that, that's, that's my interpretation. Um, and, that's, and you don't have to believe that. But that's, that is what I believe. Let's give you one more supporting, uh, let's give you another supporting verse for well, you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. Um, 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Okay, this is written in 1 Peter. It's from the same guy that wrote, Peter said, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and be saved. And then later on, he writes, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. If you were to stop right there, you might believe that baptism saves you, because that's what it says. But you can look at anything in the Bible and make it mean whatever you want it to say. Even Satan used the word of God to try to tempt Jesus. Okay, so it's important to read things in context. Just look at the next part of this verse. Not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's saying it's literally not the water that washes over your body and removes dirt from your body and cleanses you. Baptism means to cleanse. That's not what saves you. Peter's saying that. The same guy that said, repent and be baptized. He's saying it's the, it's, the, it's the pledge of a good conscience towards God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's what happens in the heart. That's what saves you. But he still says be baptized, and I still want you to be baptized. But let me just show you that God is more concerned about the heart. When Jesus was on the cross, he hung between two thieves. And the one thief said kind of blasphemous things and he was like oh I'm your God and you'll get down from here and save us both and the other one said this in Luke 20, 23 42 he said Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus he, he said to him truly I say to you today you shall be with me in paradise and then they all three died of course Jesus rose from the dead but he told him that you would be in paradise. Now, did the thief on the cross have the opportunity to be baptized? Absolutely not. So, did he get saved? Well, Jesus said, I'll see you in paradise. I'm going to trust what Jesus says. So, am I telling you not to get baptized? Absolutely not. I'm telling you that Jesus is always looking at the heart. That's what he's always, always, always concerned with. And so, there are people lying in a hospital bed, and you may be a priest or somebody comes up to him and says, you know, here's your, you, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. You want to make it, ask Jesus to forgive you for sins, even if it's only for another few hours before you die. And they don't have an opportunity to be baptized. Maybe they still get to go to heaven. They, maybe you have an opportunity to be baptized. If your heart is to follow after Jesus, and Jesus both demonstrated baptism by example and commands that we be baptized, and I say, go ahead and get baptized. You know, you're not going to go wrong with getting baptized. And if, you, if you have some reason why you can't get baptized, I don't know. We can talk about that. Email me or whatever. But I don't, I don't know why you couldn't. But he's looking at the heart. I believe that Jesus is more concerned. I, I, I think he's more pleased when we do the wrong thing with the right motives than when we do the right thing with the wrong motives. Amen. I, don't, I mean, he doesn't want us to do the wrong thing, but I know that's how it is with my daughter, Salo, who is a toddler, and I say, you need, if you want to get down, if you're done with dinner, then you need to ask nicely. And, and she's like, thank you, mate, please get done. She's screaming and crying. Well, she technically said the right thing, but uh-uh, we're worried about the attitude here. Say it again with a nice attitude. Thank you for dinner. May I please be done? There you go. Yes, you may. It's the attitude of the heart, and that's where it's at. And if you know that God wants you to get baptized, and you've not been, just get baptized. And maybe it's easier for me to say, um, but that, that, that's, what, that's what I believe. 
Uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's always about the heart. Jesus is always, if you love God and you love everybody around you, and it doesn't matter, can I lose my salvation? Well, if you just love God with your whole heart, you don't have to worry about it. Oh no, when is the rapture gonna happen? Is it gonna happen pre-trip, post-trip? Is it gonna happen, uh, is, is the millennial a literal thousand years? If you just love God with your whole heart, you'll be ready for his glorious return. And you won't, it doesn't matter if you go through persecution and tribulation and trials, then you'll be ready because your heart is after God. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Would you please stand with me? John 8, 30, 32 says, And he was saying these things, many believed him. So Jesus said that, uh, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So there is a truth today, and I believe that God wants to reveal it to us. And I've spoken a lot of heavy words about the second coming and the rapture. What if you're not ready? Will you be left behind? Can I lose my salvation? Oh no, what if I prayed a prayer years ago but I'm not living for Jesus Christ today? And many of you in here today might have this fear that's in your heart that says, if I were to die today, or if Jesus Christ were to return today, I'm not ready and I wanna be ready. I do fear the second coming, you might be thinking to yourself. I'm not ready to die because I don't know what would happen to me. Maybe I've lost my salvation. I don't know. Here's the deal. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and contemplate this and ask the Lord, say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me this morning? And if you're here today and you don't have that blessed assurance, the assurance that comes from knowing that when you stand before the Lord, that you are ready to meet him, then I want you to know you can have that assurance today. You don't have to wonder, oh no, I'm not sure. I just, I don't know, I don't know. But if the Lord were to return today, or if you were to die today, you can be ready. It's as simple as this, believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he came to this earth, that he paid for your sins and mine, that he died as that substitution for us and that he rose from the dead and he offers us a free gift of eternal life. If we choose to repent, which means to turn away from our sin and make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. And if you're in here today and you say, I've never done that. I've never turned from my sin in a real literal day. Like you can say the day that this happened, not just as a slow transition over time, but you say, I've never made a decision. I've never put a marker in the ground and said that, I am turning from my sin and I am following Jesus. And I believe in what, what was said today. I believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. If you've never said that today, or if you said it a long time ago, but maybe you've not been living for him, or if you just have any hesitancy today, you say, I just don't even know if I were to die or if the Lord were to return today, am I ready for that moment, for when that trumpet sounds, I wanna be with the believers. I don't wanna go through that tribulation. If, if that, if that's you today and you want to just be sure that you will spend eternity with God the Father and you want to make sure that your heart is right, then I want you to raise your hand up as a public declaration. Thank you for the hands going up. Wow, wow, hands going up all over this place. Thank you. Praise God. 
Is there anybody else that says, I want to know that when the Lord returns, I am ready for that. I want that assurance today. Praise God for all those hands. I would like everybody in here, maybe you've said it a thousand times, this, is, this prayer of salvation, or maybe uh, you've never prayed this prayer before. I want us to all pray that together and ask God as we make a public de de declaration uh, and ask him to forgive us and make that decision to follow him. Repeat after me, nice and loud. Say, dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I've sinned. Please forgive me and make me a new person. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Put your hands together and give each one just a shout of, shout of praise to God for the salvation that he's given to us. Amen. One more time I want to emphasize, it doesn't matter if we disagree on a lot of these issues, as long as we keep the main thing the main thing. Non-essential issues do not have to divide us. This message was not intended to bring discord or disunity. It was meant to bring teaching, and it was meant to bring unity, and it was meant to just show us some of these non-essential truths. But you can take it and be like the Bereans in the book of Acts, that they heard what the Apostle Paul said, and they went back to their homes, and they studied the scriptures for themselves to find out what the real truth was. And that's what I encourage you to do today. Go home with your families, read some of these verses, and it's okay if you come up with a different conclusion than what I said. Let the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth. Amen. Let's sing this song. During this song, just begin to thank God for your salvation, what you know is true. And I'll come back up to close in a word of prayer. Amen. Spirit.
Amen. How many of you received that message today? That was hard for me to deliver because I don't want to bring division in the body of Christ. That is not what Jesus wants. That is not what I want. I want to focus on the things that we agree upon, but I just want to teach some truths that I've interpreted from Scripture and help my dad in that in regard with part two. Next week, don't miss out on cultural truths. That's going to be a really good one that you do not want to miss. But we can agree on a lot of things, amen? We can agree that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth to save us from our sins. I believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for my sins and for yours. I believe that he died on a cross, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, and that he is alive today, and that he offers us a free gift of salvation, that if we turn from our wicked ways, that we will live for him and live in eternity. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for a bride that is pure and spotless. It is our job to do everything we can to bring as many people with us into heaven for eternity. And we can shout about it and we can celebrate because we are on the winning side. I don't know how it's all going to pan out in the end, but I know that we are on the winning side and that Jesus Christ is victorious. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for the price that you paid and the blood that you shed. Thank you, Jesus, that you promised to come back for a church. God, I thank you that you have not forsaken us, but that you love us and that you know us and that you've called us. Lord, I pray that you would reveal these truths to us and that it won't cause division, but that it would bring about a greater sense of unity. God, I pray that you would be with us today, that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to spread the gospel all across the world. God, and that you would assure us of our salvation, knowing that nothing could separate us from the love of Jesus Christ if we choose to follow you with our whole heart. God, I pray that you bless each person here. Bless them in the city and bless them in the field. Bless them when they come and bless them when they go. God, I pray that you would have your way in our lives and that you would have your spirit in the midst of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.